Coffee. Cool Aid and Records. Coffee. Cool Aid and Records. Welcome to the Coffee, Kool-Aid, and Records podcast. This is episode 5. I'm not like everybody else, the Kinks. I'm going to talk about the Kinks and spin my favorite Kinks records. As legendary and influential as You Really Got Me and All Day and All of the Night are, I'm going to play tracks that aren't those two. I could never get tired of those songs, but they are a bit overplayed as well as all the cover versions. The Kinks had a wealth of masterpiece level songs and they are all underappreciated, underrated, and underplayed. The Kinks are without doubt my favorite British invasion band. Nearly my favorite British band. The resources I'm using for this show are my own useless encyclopedic brain Ray Davis's Americana and Dave Davis's book Kink. For the longest time, I pronounced the last name as Davies, as most American fans probably have. But in their native England, it is Davis. The Kinks hail from Muswell Hill, North London. The band originally consisted of Ray Davis on lead vocals and rhythm guitar, brother Dave Davis on lead guitar, he also did some vocals, Peter Quaife on bass, and Mick Avery on the drums. Ray Davis handled a lot of the songwriting, brother Dave to a lesser extent. Ray's writing style displayed a lot of wit, whimsy, humor, irony, and idyllic and esoteric poetry. They formed in 1964 from the ashes of other incipient bands. They settled on the name The Kinks as it was an edgy, attention-grabbing word. Ray Davis later stated that the name was derived from their unique fashion sense. We're gonna start the music off with the episode's namesake, issued on 45 in 1966 as the non-album B-side to Sunny Afternoon, Sunny Afternoon being on the Face to Face album, their fourth album. The album Face to Face deviated from their heavy rhythm and blues beat proto-punk sound of earlier albums and songs like You Really Got Me. Ray Davis's songwriting displayed a shift towards more observational, conceptual lyrics concerning society and class order, and what they would become known for more than any other band, Anglocentric lyricism. The album also flirted with Baroque pop, music hall, and psychedelic themes. I consider this song a personal anthem, or as Nick Cave ingeniously calls them, one of my hiding songs. Songs that serve as a sort of refuge. Songs one can pull over oneself like a child might a blanket, or songs that one can use to represent themselves to the universe. I'm not like everybody else. Thunderous ode to nonconformity and nondescript individualism. I'm not like everybody else I'm not 
Silas, where you been? So, last episode, what did you... What do you say happened to me? Where was I? Oh, I just said you were out of town. Well, well, it turns out I've been abducted by aliens, surprisingly and unfortunately, which is very inconvenient. Hopefully, I was going to say, hopefully they worked on your brain. Glad to have you back, Silas. Well, um, inside the... Inside their UFO, they have a recording station and a computer with with 1,000G um, data on there. So um, that's the only way I'm able to continue recording on this podcast. Anyways, yeah. So what what's today about and stuff? It's about English band The Kinks and Silas. Your your mother said she likes that we do this podcast because it's like. Uh, it's like therapy for us, and it helps us communicate with each other and with other people. Do you, yeah. Do you agree or, agree or is she full of crap? I agree 100%. Like, it, it is definitely a way I can bond with you and learn a lot about records and the community. What do you think? I'd agree. I see myself as a non-judgmental person, and, you know, I'm open-minded, and... I, I'd like to think that you can talk to me about anything, but right now, we should talk about the Kinks. The Kinks, their early discography, like every other British band of the British Invasion era, let's say years 1964 to 1966, was a bit convoluted, meaning it is chaotic, like some of the LPs or singles were British only or US only. Some had different titles, different tracks, track omissions, different track order, different artwork. And there was also stereo LPs versus mono LPs. Kind of difficult to to keep in order. Probably the music itself would be the same, but maybe like the stuff that comes with it or maybe just like the words on it, it could I mean like inserts and stuff like that? Yeah, maybe it could have some English in there from like trying to translate into, I don't know, Americanizing it, putting McDonald's logo on it. (laughs) A McDonald's logo on it, that's a good idea. Yeah. Before too long, records will have those kind of advertisements. Man, that would be a horrible future. Kinks, in mid-1965, the American Federation of Musicians banned the Kinks from further tours of the U.S. 
were not allowed to come to the U.S. pretty much, thus halting their own British invasion of the U.S. Bands like the Stones and the Beatles were invading the U.S. The Kinks got cut off. The reason for the ban is not entirely known. It has been attributed to the rough and rowdy stage antics, band infighting, especially the two brothers, Ray Davis and Dave Davis, who were notorious for clashing, not getting along, and the band were also late to shows and appearances. I've always wondered, what would it be like to be in the audience of something like that? like, Or um, also people that do like guitar tricks and and stuff like oh, Jimi like, Hendrix. Yeah, Jimi Hendrix lighting his guitar on fire or yeah. Keith Moon of The Who blowing up his drum kit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I bet those people have memories that'll last them for the rest of their life, the people that saw that, you know? Yeah. Another reason for the band is one, uh, some an industry man made anti-British comments to Ray Davis, the lead singer of the Kinks, and maybe a few punches were thrown. So I wonder if it's overhand or underhand, the punches. <laughs> I don't know. How they were... Th- I bet overhand would be more devastating. Yeah. But due to the ban, the Kinks never got as massive in the States as the Stones or the Beatles or the Who. I bet you heard of the Stones, Beatles, and the Who yeah. before you heard of the Kinks. Yes. Uh, the Kinks sound really familiar before I learned about them. You were telling me about them uh, when I came home from school because we were talking about... Um, the next name for the podcast and stuff like that but um before that it's like the name sounded really familiar i think you told me about them before like maybe a year or two ago yeah yeah they are definitely one of my favorites you do, so um, i'm pretty sure i just like about randomly teach me about like random bands and stuff yeah. with the history behind them and it's really cool i like stuff that has like stuff that just seems normal but has a deep history behind it i like that type of stuff yeah they deserve to be as massive they're just as talented we're just as prolific and just as good they cut their second album kind of kinks in early 1965 it contains a song nothing in the world can stop me worrying about that girl which is the next song it's a raw raunchy low down hidden gem on the album so, um, what song is playing in the background right now? The song in the background is Something Better Beginning. We're, we're, right now we're listening to the Kinks' greatest hits. That's cool. Uh, but yes, we ever since the last episode, we've started putting background music in there. And I do think that makes it a, yeah, a lot better. Much more relaxing. Since, since like, we have like fidget toys for our hands to fidget and stimulate with. And music is sort of like... A fidget toy yeah. for your brain to stimulate. Yeah, our, our horrible voices won't bore them so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a painting in the background of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, basically. I'm glad that we've got good music in the background, other than my um, screaming of Turkish words. <laughs> <laughs> the next song that we're playing, Nothing in the World Can Stop Me Worrying About That Girl... It was used to great effect in Wes Anderson's 1998 indie film, Rushmore. Silas, you should watch that movie. It's really, really good. Plays in the scene where Bill Murray's character jumps off a diving board and into a pool dramatically. It's one of my favorite films of the 90s. Interesting trivia. The soundtrack to that movie, Rushmore, was initially supposed to be made up entirely of Kinks songs. I really like 90s films, by the way. Um, they just feel really nostalgic, and just seeing that like 90s um, energy and just mood in general, with everything being radical and stuff like that. Yeah. They're all talking about like radical and skateboarding and rock music and stuff. It's all- Well, Rushmore is like a very creative, unique, artistic movie. It owes a lot to uh, the French New Wave. But, Silas, we're, we're going to play that song, Nothing in the World Can Stop Me Worrying About That Girl. Yeah, uh, it's, it's about time we, we stop stalling. Yeah, well, here you go. And listen to the music. Man. 
And a girl fell in love, glad as I can be. Where the girl fell in love, bad as I can be. But I think all the time, is she true to me? Cause there's nothing in this world to stop me worrying about that girl. I found out I was wrong, she was just too tired. I found out I was wrong, she just kept on lying Now she tries to tell the truth, and I just can't believe Cause there's nothing in this world to stop me worrying about that girl Tell me who can I turn to, just who can I believe Try to put her out of my mind, she'll only cause me grief. I love that girl, whatever she's done, you know it hurts me deeply. Cause there's nothing in this world that's not me worrying about that girl. I know she's been with other fellas, why she keep on lying? So when she says nothing, I really feel I die I ache inside every time I think I know it's just my pride Cause there's nothing in this world to stop me worrying about that girl Cause there's nothing in this world Stop me worrying about that girl. Uh, it was Nothing in This World by The Kinks, and Eminem's been real quiet since that dropped. <laughs> oh. Eminem's back down. Yeah, ah, oh, use the bunny's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But man, that, that is a good song, and... The Beatles. The Beatles are like so quiet since that song came out. Yeah. It's almost like they're dead. No, no. I, I love the Beatles. I think that the Beatles music has aged pretty well, but I think that I think it's a bit overrated. I know it's very yeah. influential. That's why um, I put them in a high regard just because of how influential yeah, they, they were. There's but no in denying music, that. there's definitely better. Some of their stuff was great, but some of it was mediocre. Some yeah. of it is overrated. And you can tell what you I know. mean, like what I mean by overrated, when you found out like a really good record for like one dollar at a store, and then you found a a Beatles record that was literally broken and covered in mold for twenty. Yeah, people just obsess over the Beatles so much that they think any Beatles record is worth thousands of dollars. When that's not true, and most Beatles records aren't worth very much. Though I have had, I, I had one that I sold for uh, fifteen hundred, and I have one that's worth several hundred right now. Yeah, it's sort of like the opposite. Of course, demand is a part of it, but it's not like a trading card because a trading card you don't know what you're going to get. But if it, you get a Beatles record, you know exactly what you're getting. Yeah. And it, it was printed so many times because so many people wanted it because the Beatles were popular. Yeah. So that means it, even though it has some demand, it's the supply is yeah. high. So due to the laws of supply and demand, it's those rare special items that bring in the value. Yes, like um, artists that weren't appreciated back when they um, were or producing records, but then um, people started realizing how good their music was later on, so then their records started becoming rare. Yeah. yeah. That's a good ex- example, in my opinion. Yep. You know, they manufactured really low numbers of a lot of that stuff. Early on, the Kinks had three U.S.-only releases. 64 U.S. debut, titled You Really Got Me, 65's Kinks Size, 
Also from 65, Kink Dumb. I'm not sure if they want to invade America. I mean, they drive on the wrong side of the road here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why don't they just move here? I've actually driven on the English. I rode in a car. It was interesting experience. Why are on so many other parts of the world everything is different from then in from in the U.S. Like we say Z, everyone else is Z. We use Imperial. Everyone else uses Metric, and um, we use Fahrenheit. Everyone else uses uh, Celsius. We drive on the right side of the road. I don't know how many other people drive on the left side of the road. Just differences in the culture. I know. I feel like it was just so they could differentiate themselves from the British people. Yeah. It's, it's, it's likely that like the early leaders of the U.S. just did that to differentiate themselves. But I don't know what's up with Z and Z. Like, why? Hey, no, it's just how the society, the culture evolves. Yeah, I guess so. You know, due to convenience, uh, you know, someone just started doing it a certain way and it stuck. Yeah, I guess so. Most of their U.S. releases were made up of songs not on previous U.S.-only albums or from the previous U.K. album, single, or EP. The next song we are going to play is from the 65 U.S.-only release called Kink Dumb. Though it was originally issued on a UK only EP called Quiet Kinks. The LP Kinkdom was the last US only release. Every other release that they came out with was the same in the UK as it was in the US. What, what's the next song? <laughs> the next song is the B side to the US single A Well Respected Man. This song is called Such a Shame. Great one. I'm excited to hear it. Last song was good, and instead of Eminem being quiet, it's going to be mute now, after this one. After this episode, the entire music industry will be quiet, because the kinks are great. Yes, very underappreciated. Let's listen to the next song. Such a Shame. By, um... By the kinks. Man, I was really having trouble with that one. Like, there are so many different artists in this episode. I was having so much trouble. <laughs> all the good times have all been in vain. It's a shame, such a shame, such a shame. It's a shame. Cause I didn't wanna cause you any pain. But I know that it wouldn't be the same. All the good times have all been in vain It's a shame, such a shame, such a shame It's a shame Cause I didn't intend to do you wrong I come back but it won't last for long I would if I could but I can't It's a shame, such a shame, such a shame It's a shame, such a shame Cause I swore I'd never let you down But I was the one who was doing the wrong It's a shame, such a shame, such a shame Cause I didn't intend to do you wrong i come back but it would last for long I would if I could but I can't It's a shame, such a shame, such a shame It's a shame, such a shame Cause I swore I'd never let you down But I was the one who was doing wrong It's a shame, such a shame, such a shame Cause I didn't wanna cause you any pain but I know that it wouldn't be the same All the good times have all been in vain It's a shame, such a shame, such a shame In 1966, with the release of the LP Face, Face to Face, face. <laughs> yeah. 
The Kinks found great critical success in Motherland England. Not so much in the good old USA with the band still in place. This caused the band to focus more on the English market and their English audience. Just prior to the recording of Face to Face, Ray Davis, the lead singer, suffered a mental breakdown. You ever suffer a mental breakdown? No, I haven't. Give it time. Yeah. <laughs> During his recuperation, he took to his pen and wrote a batch of new songs. You spinning in your chair, Silas? Yeah. <laughs> This is the last week of homework at my school, and if I had one more week of homework, I, pro I probably would have, have a mental breakdown. Yeah, a lot of times high school almost broke me down. Yeah, homework is actually very stressful. But, I mean, you're in elementary, but even, yeah. even then, man, school is Fourth just... Fourth grade was much worse uh, with homework. They should just, just take out the social aspect of school altogether. Let's say you're a computer genius. You don't need to take gym. The lyrics Ray Davis was writing became more Anglo-centric, melancholy, bucolic, vaudevillian, and narrational. The music became a little bit more gentle. Some critics, historians, and Kinks fans credit it as being an early example of a concept album. It has a general theme of social narration. But they still had room for psyched out, fuzzed out rockers like the next one we're going to play. It's called I'll Remember. You know what I took um, out from all that? What? Gym is like, it depends on the teacher you have because we got a new gym teacher and everything is so much harder. We have to do like 20 push-ups all the time. Two to no uh, nose to the ground. <laughs> they shouldn't make you have to do push-ups. They do that with the little kids too. Can't they wait until you go to, until you want to go to boot camp? If you, you know, if you want to join the army? I bet, I bet in England they don't make you do push-ups in elementary. Well, um, we didn't used to have to, but um, we got a new gym teacher, and that's why. Well, here's the kinks I'll remember. September 67 saw the release of the LP Something Else by the Kinks, the fifth UK album and the seventh in the US, if I do believe, if I'm counting them right. For, for a second, I was like, there's not, there's not 67 days in September, and then I realized you meant 1967. Yeah. 
VLP Something Else by the Kinks marked the end of a longtime American producer, Shell Tommy, his production of the Kinks studio endeavors. Ray Davis would take over production, thus, there'd be a change in the sound and production of the Kinks albums henceforth. Due to budget releases of the early Kinks material and singles from the album selling decently prior to the album's release, UK sales from something else did not reach expectation, meaning that the, the label and the band were not happy with the sales. The album, Something Else by the Kinks, was released in the US in January of 68. With the band still going strong, record sales were dismal there. Yeah, so um, what is the next song, or have you already mentioned it, and I'm just a bad listener? No, I hadn't mentioned it. Okay, that's good. The first single from the album, Something Else, was the sublime Waterloo Sunset. It was a massive hit in the UK, but did nothing in the US, which blew, it blows my mind, Silas. It is such a beautiful, heavenly song. It's what's called a fan favorite, meaning every Kinks fan loves this song. And the Beatles and the Stones have no counterpart to this song. And the song is pretty amazing because it's about the dream one has for one's own life. The song's about contemplating happiness and the idea of paradise. We all have that sublime picture in our head of our personal perfect lives. The setting, the backdrop of self-peace, of inner peace. This sublime picture, Waterloo Sunset, is two lovers crossing the Thames near Waterloo Station as the sun sets. We're gonna listen to Waterloo Sunset. I might have to because I'm crashing because I'm crash landing to Earth right now. Yeah, it seems like it. But I, I think Waterloo Sunset will uh, bring you down back down to Earth and make you peaceful. Okay. But here's Waterloo Sunset. Let's listen.
What's that? Well, I, I'm back. <laughs> the aliens are dead. I miss them. They're they're my happy friends. <laughs> welcome, welcome back to Earth, Silas. What did you learn? Um, I I learned that pickles are a fruit. <laughs> they have seeds in them. Oh, that's so funny. I'm glad I'm glad you're here with me today, Silas. Now back to the kinks. You're gonna go back to England. All you right. crash landed on Earth, and now you're Back in England, England in 1967-68. That was a horrible accent. In 1967, the Kinks were releasing just flat-out terribly beautiful songs, almost to the point of overkill. Ray Davis was even criticized for his songs being too beautiful. The Kinks are the Village Green Preservation Society was released at the end of 1968 in the UK, the album is like a guide to English life, society, and culture. Honestly, the title track is one of the most original, beautiful, and amazing songs I think I've ever heard. It laments disappearing village greens, pastoral settlements of England, and it shuns the monsters of urbanization and industrialization like skyscrapers. A quote from the lyrics, preserving the old ways from being abused, protecting the new ways for me and for you. God save Donald Duck, Vaudeville, and Variety. We are the office block persecution affinity. We are the skyscraper condemnation affiliates. We are the Village Green Preservation Society. Is this going over your head a little bit? Yes, besides the part about Donald Duck. <laughs> yeah, that's really the only originally American thing that I mentioned, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking in my mind, oh, I like your funny words, Magic Man. <laughs> the song, like I said, it it like celebrates rural England and is reactionary against, you know, skyscrapers and industrialization of those areas. And it promotes a more peaceful lifestyle in England, like, you know, uh, like the Hamlet lifestyle but we'll play the Village Green Preservation Society.
the Kinks released Lola vs. Power Man and the Money Go Round Part 1 in 1970. And there was never a part two. It's one of my favorite Kinks albums. And the song, This Time Tomorrow, which is going to be played next, is my single favorite Kinks song. My wife and kids know to play it at my funeral. No, I do. My, my, wife, my wife does. I can understand why it wasn't released as a single. It wasn't a, a surprise album hit. doesn't show up on Greatest Hits compilations or live albums. I, I, I don't think it exists live. I came to the greatness of this song kind of late in my life. It was featured on Wes Anderson's film, The Darjeeling Limited. Uh, the movie stars Adrian Brody, Jason Schwartzman, and Owen Wilson. Three brothers travel by train across India to locate the mother that abandoned them. One of my favorite Anderson films. That guy has great impeccable taste. In the future, I might do a show relative to the music featured in his movies. He's just so excellent with the soundtracks. Movie soundtracks, they really do bring a lot more awareness to a song, in my opinion. And it's it's great when you see one of your favorite songs be um, put in display onto a movie. The uh, the songs also help the movie quite a bit. I would say I'd say it's equal. The big hit from this album was the song Lola. You know, it's a decent song, a classic, and it has controversies. Like the song, he talks about a transvestite, and he mentions Coca Cola. And the record label was not happy with what they saw as a promotion of Coca-Cola. So he had to edit it to Cherry Cola. The album is a concept album. It delves into the corrupt, life-draining soul of the music industry. In 1969, the ban in America was finally lifted for the kinks. They did some shows in Canada and the U.S., the stage was set for Lola Versus to be a critical and commercial success, which it was. It was viewed as a kind of comeback album that reinserted the band's name into the proverbial household. This level of success allowed the band to grow into their own. They wrangled up a new contract with RCA, which landed them a cool million dollar advance. They bought their own recording studio in London named Kunk. A play on the word kink. Yeah. Like I like I stated, this is my single favorite kink song off of Lola Versus This Time Tomorrow about the contemplative thoughts thrust upon a touring musician.
That was This Time Tomorrow by The Kinks. Although the album was a success in the U.S., I've never found a first pressing copy of Lola Versus, like, out in the wild. Do you know what the wild is, Silas? Yeah, and it's like, and like, locally. Yep, exactly. See, see, you're, you're learning, you know. Oh, I, I've always known that. It's just like, it's a thing that collectors in general see. Flea markets, yard sales, antique stores, or or private sellers, like the guy's house that we went over to the other day. That's like finding it in the wild. It's any place besides a record a record store or a record dealer or online or an online record outlet. Well, I mean, like even record stores and stuff. Like I think it's just finding locally in yeah. general because like. So the opposite of in the wild would be to me any place designed specifically for records. I would think In the Wild, I was just looking for it online. That's like the opposite work. of In the Wild? That's what I think. It's just yeah. like, because you're specifically, it's like, even in a record store, it's like, it's like, you, you don't know if they're going to have that record that yeah. you want. But if you're searching it up online, you just know, you, you know you're going to yeah, get the record. Yeah, and you, you have more chances of finding it if you're basically searching the entire world for the record. Yeah. I had to end up buying a VG Plus first pressing from a record dealer online. But it is, it's the best to find things out in the wild because you don't have to pay for shipping. You can tell. um, It's cheaper too. You can, it's cheaper and you can tell if it's, um, if it's like damaged or anything a yeah, lot easier. You, yeah, exactly. Because like online, a lot, a lot of eBay listings, they use stock images and stuff. Yeah, and they might not be too honest, you know, and tell you about yeah. a big scratch. And like, it's, it, I think it's a bit easier to haggle in real life. I think I paid $75 for the copy. You wouldn't think it commands such prices, but nice copies can. Actually, right now, the lowest current price on Discogs for this album for first u.s pressing is 40 dollars for a vg condition copy mine's like a, a vg plus contrastly the early kinks r&b beat records seem to be all over the place i find them all the time a song also featured in the wes anderson flick darjeeling limited along with the song power man it is a dave davis composition called strangers erroneously thought to be about the tumultuous relationship between brothers Ray and Dave. It is actually about an old schoolmate of Dave's who succumbed to the lost world of drug addiction. It's another absurdly beautiful song from the Kinks. That's the last song for the night. The Kinks story is one of the more odd but unique stories in rock and roll history. They never reached the level achieved by the Stones or the Beatles Close, but no cigar. I like to think that the Stones and the Beatles never got as low as the Kinks. That's it for episode five. I, I don't think I've said English so many times in one day. It's time to say goodnight. This has been Coffee, Kool-Aid, and Records. Hope you enjoyed the show on the Kinks. We're going to shut the <laughs> equipment down and play some more Kinks.
Coffee. Cool Aid and Records. Coffee. Cool Aid and Records.